Welcome to the 3 to 10 Project. Two white, cisgendered males who've been friends for over 25 years. Exploring race, gender, and education by talking through the intersection of our experiences with what we're reading, listening to, and thinking about. And most importantly, considering how to show up moving forward. It's a long-term commitment, three to 10 years of anti-racist culture building. I'm Mark. I'm Reed. Just a quick note on the name for this podcast. Three to 10 Project has been borrowed from Resma Menicum. You can learn more about this idea and about Resma at the link shared in the podcast description. Let's get to it. Yep, and that's Mark's footsteps. Turns out he's a bit more coherent when he is running. November 1st, Mark. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hi, Reed. <laughs> What's the run today? A long one, right? 25 miles. I am uh, three miles in. And uh, yesterday did 25 miles. I've never done this before. It's back to back long runs. I will say I'm going relatively slow, taking my time. And uh, this is almost. Uh, the last weekend of harder, longer run. So next weekend will be one more long one, and then it's all downhill until the ultra. But that's still three and a half weeks away, right? That's Black Friday. So that's quite a it's still yeah. So away, but it'll be three. It'll basically be three weeks from the last long run. Okay. So you kind of recover. Uh, yeah. That last one is 30 miles. All right. Well, well, I hope this conversation helps you through the start of this long run today as you. Yes, me too. <laughs> okay. So what do you want to talk so we're about? Also, well, I have a topic, but I think we should just recognize that between now and when we talk again, Maybe there will be a presidential presidential election and results from that election. I say maybe because it seems like it's possible we may not have the results complete within a week. I just want to recognize that and we continue to uh, see some of the, you know, when we think about racial justice and white supremacy, I don't think we've ever seen such blatant demagogy, right? Um, that we are seeing right now. I think Joe Biden put it best when he said, Trump has a dog whistle the size of a foghorn. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Don't need to go on that topic too long, but just thought it was important to, to acknowledge it. 
I think it is important to acknowledge how, how are you feeling about the election or the or the coming week? Yeah, a little like I, I you know, um, what I noticed is I have anxiety for sure, but I feel like I'm kind of turning that anxiety into this like uh, curiosity. It's like reading the newspaper and watching TV or looking at Twitter, I'm, I feel myself getting detached from the reality and more like, this is like a good book. Like how it's it, from a distance, it's like a Stephen King novel or something um, of weird things and ideas and, and things that are happening. It just doesn't. So, you know, then every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, actually, no, I'm, I'm upset. But I feel myself kind of going back and forth between this detached watching that story and like, oh, this is real. How does that make me feel? Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think maybe the detachment is a, a bit of a defense mechanism, probably a defense mechanism that a lot of people have to be using all the time about things. But I, I feel, I feel a lot of, uh, I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but I feel a lot of, sorry, worried anticipation. I guess maybe that's sort of what anxiety is. And it, on, on a couple fronts, I mean, one thing to me is like, I'm, the, the curiosity I fe feel is really about how will the mechanisms of our system work when there's some level of contested outcome? I mean, I feel like no matter what, there's going to be some degree of people saying this isn't legitimate. Like that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, and, and, and at what level and to what extent does that become a crisis? You know, could it become a crisis? I don't know, but I'm, I'm curious about that. And I've, I've listened and read a couple different things about sort of scenarios um, yeah. and, and what might happen. So, you know, on, on the one hand, like that, that piece of it is interesting because democratically that hasn't happened, you know, in my lifetime. Like, I don't, I don't know what that's like, right. To have an election where maybe, it, it, there's not an there's not an outcome. I mean, it sort of happened, right, with Bush and Gore, but that that, that felt very different than this. Um, yep. And so there's that. And then I do have, you know, if well, I have my own feelings. Like if if Trump were to win, in whatever that means, um, I just don't know. I, how the country can, how my country can continue <laughs> down this path if that were to be the case. Um, and the only other thing I'll say is I was probably flippant about it, but you know, two months ago, I was sort of really feeling like Trump was going to win. I just felt like that was, that was it just seemed inevitable to me. And I think the significance of that, even then I didn't understand and it felt like horrible, but it didn't feel horrible in the way it would feel horrible to me right now. But I also am more mm -hmm. hopeful that, that he's not. I mean, certainly you have to pay attention a little bit to all these polls and stuff, which seems like, boy, it sure doesn't seem like 
it's likely for him to win. But um, so I don't know. It's been a roller coaster and it's going to be. And I, I agree. Who knows when we'll talk again, but uh, <laughs> there may or may not be a result. <laughs> oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's move on to kind of the topics that I think last time we talked, we agreed that it might be good to go into a bit more about the name for this podcast and explain it, where it came from. And in fact, as we do that, I actually have some thoughts and some questions for you that will connect. So I think we should start with you talking, you brought up the name initially, and I think there's a little story here. So and I'm going to tie a bunch of things together, hopefully. So start by just saying like how you came up with the name, where it came from. So a colleague of mine passed along an episode of the podcast 10% Happier, which I believe we've referenced on this uh, talk before, uh, led by Dan Harris. And I had not heard of, I, I may or may not have heard of that podcast or Dan Harris, I'm not sure, but I certainly had never listened to it. And so it was passed along because it was about basically the title of the podcast episode was something like, you know, why we all suffer from racial trauma and sort of what we, what we might do about it. And I listened to it and um, in the process, so the, the, the guest, uh, Dan Harris's guest was this guy, Risma. Menachem? I can't say his last I'm not sure if I'm saying his last yeah, name. And I think the way you pronounce, and I think the first name is Resma. Resma, Resma. Yeah, okay. So I yeah, hadn't heard about him. Yeah, I hadn't heard about him before, but I was really taken by this conversation, which was well over an hour. And in it, they were, I, I mean, I'm not going to summarize the, the whole podcast, but the short story is near the end, Dan Harris kept saying, what, what can we be doing about sort of this racial trauma that uh, people are feeling and uh, its effects. And, and Reisma gets into the body, a lot about the body. And, um, and so one of the things he said, now what I took from it, and I've listened to it now, I believe three times, uh, I've gone back to it. So I'm, I'm getting more and more. But what he said was the first thing white people need to do is come together uh, to build a culture of anti-racism amongst themselves and practices. And he talks about these practices, which I still don't fully understand, but basically says, step one is for, for, for white people, for, for them to be coming together, building this culture over a period of three to 10 years. And that, that little nugget stuck with me. And it was about the same time that I think you had, you and I had been having a number of conversations and you said, you know, we should, we should be having these regularly. Maybe we should even record them. And to me, I was like, oh, this is sort of connected to this idea of coming together with other white people and wrestling with talking, processing, thinking about a host of issues, but certainly uh, including and maybe led by issues around race that are so central to our world, but not always to our thinking within white culture. So 
that's where that that's where that kind of came from. And then that led to an interesting series of things where you said, "Oh, I know all about Dan Harris because he's, you know, a a, a meditation and mindfulness guy." Um, and so that led me to, to learn a little bit more about uh, him and, and the Ten Percent Happier um, app, which I now have on my phone and so forth. But so that's my story. So what's interesting, you shared that, you mentioned the app, I mean the uh, podcast and and the title, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. This three to ten years, and okay. But at the time, we didn't talk deeply about that podcast. It was more just that kind of three to 10 idea. And basically, concurrently, but without realizing it, I had begun reading Resma's book, My Grandmother's Hands, but not realizing it was the same person you were referencing. And that book, uh, is, is, you know, what he talks about in his podcast is very much a topic of that book. Um, and although he uses a little different language from what I remember, he is definitely talking about mindfulness and meditation practices in that book. And that's how I became aware of the book because of the kind of mindfulness space that I'm currently working in. So, you know, I'm I'm going along doing this book, not really talking to other people about it a little bit, and then not realizing that you had been referencing the same author. Okay, so then let's see, fast forward and Jonna, you know, my wife is She's doing some listening and so on. And so she starts reading the book. I'm not sure connected to me, referencing it, or I don't even remember. And then she starts listening to some podcasts. So there's two other podcasts that I think we need to listen to and then bring into this. One is by Resma, and I do not remember the the um the the podcast called On Being, yeah. which I think might be an NPR thing. Yeah. And yeah. so one of them is with Resma. I've listened to that just recently, a couple of days ago. And then there's another On Being that I think is a little later on, which is Robin D'Angelo and Resma. Oh, wow. Um, that's what I just right. That's what I just started today. And um, I think we need to listen to those and kind of pull them in. And so here's a little more of the story and some questions for you. So also within this time frame, kind of putting these dots together, and we know that you live in a town in Maine, which is one of the five or really seven places in the country, uh, by coincidence, that, that my organization has a mindfulness director. In fact, she works at the school. Joanna, your wife, and Chase, your son, go to. <laughs> and um, I've been talking with her. She's been involved in conversation in our organization about race and so on. And I was like, gosh, we need to kind of loop reading here. And so 
I think the other night you went to your first meditation or mindfulness class with Erica, mindfulness director. And I just want to know how that went and, and what's going on with that. Cause then I'm going to kind of connect the dots to a little more ideas. Let me pause there. So you said do this thing. I didn't even realize it was going on. I had missed any emails about it. It was on Zoom, so it was a it was a a meeting, uh, and I attended. And I actually recruited Joanna, so we both did it. We, but we were on separate computers in different rooms, and there were I don't know maybe fifteen parents. This is Great. for parent, yeah. parents of middle schoolers. Uh, I yep. was the I was the only male, which I have to admit I yeah. felt a little self conscious about. Uh -huh. uh, partially not sure if I belonged in that space, but but was certainly welcomed. And at one point, we broke into uh, random uh, trios, to random triads, and um, so I tried. I tried actually to hold myself in check. I, I only spoke, I think, in the small group. I didn't need to dominate uh -huh. the large group. But she taught a couple simple practices. Uh, one about breathing. One about uh, body awareness and encouraged us to yep. try those things out and so it was very simple and um, it was a it was a worthwhile evening and there's three more and I Joanne and I both plan to attend those and uh, in, in the meanwhile also I've been doing a little bit of moments of sitting down for a few minutes and doing those two practices as well she asked us to do that so um, I I have not come to full enlightenment, but I'm sure I'm moments away. <laughs> Good. So, all right. So you're getting your t first taste of a little mindfulness, and we'll see where that goes. Over the next few weeks, we can sit, kind of reflect on your experience a little bit, get an update. Is there anything else you want to say about that? I would at some point, not on this call necessarily, but... I think just the issue of mindfulness and meditation in America as a white, maybe even to some extent mm. a white female practice, but interestingly, having yep. listened a little bit to Dan Harris's book, he really talks about how many Jewish leaders influenced him. Um, yeah. So uh, this is, I just think that's, that's worth coming to at some point, um, maybe not today. Uh, but I'd like your thoughts on that because I'm sort of interested in like that that whether whether there's anything there that we should be aware of about sort of who's directing and controlling this way of thinking and being. And so a couple of quick things on that is without I do think we should talk more about it either within the podcast or offline. But uh, two quick thoughts. One, he uses the term you might remember. Uh, the term Jubu, Jewish yes. Buddhist, yeah. and uh, and that there's a lot of Jubus in this space. In fact, kind of the father of Western mindfulness, so to speak, is uh, Jubu, who uh, was doing this work, basically where I grew up in Worcester. Um, in fact, it was really technically, I think, Shrewsbury, 
but uh, it was at UMass Medical School. So there's like this whole kind of connection there. Um, so the second thing is, um, there's when we, I think I mentioned that our organization is starting to do some work, which I'll call justice work, I, EI or diversity equity. Division. Uh, we tried to hire a consultant who just was too busy, um, who is a black woman, and her tagline for her consulting business or her website is dismantling whiteness in the mindfulness movement or something like that. Hmm. That's her work. And so you've hit it, the nail on the head, Uh, which is why in our organization, we are trying to be as intentional as possible in terms of awareness of this issue of whiteness within the uh, mindfulness movement. In fact, this connects a little bit to the book. Um, We are starting a book circle, which, you know, (laughs) so we're doing our book club, but uh, let's not (laughs) put too much stake in that. We're actually doing a book club as prep work for a six-session facilitation in a white affinity group in our organization. So in our organization, we have a um, affinity group for people that do not identify as white, and we're kind of working on the names for these. So for right now, we call, you know, it's the BIPOC group. We have the white affinity group, and then we have a group that meets, it's everyone together doing something called Justice Stories. So in any case, um, we're most of the people that have chosen to do the book club are reading my grandmother's hands uh, as a book, interestingly. So here's the deal. I'm trying to put this all together here. Okay. I'm ready for it. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> I already am. Um, I'm not running. I'm sitting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the practices are really, and this whole three to ten years, my current understanding which I acknowledge is still being formed. And this is kind of my goal in the next few weeks is to get a better handle on this is about doing the work together. And so when he's saying the three to 10 years, he is talking about three to 10 years of not just talking, but doing these practices, focus on race. So their mindfulness embodied, practices which he wants or is encouraging people to focus them on race as you do them with other white people do that for three to ten years and you will create culture where there's no real culture that exists at least not culture that's productive and i think this idea of culture is one that we need to explore because he talks about bodies of culture and he uses that term instead of uh, bodies of color or yeah. people of color. He also uses white body supremacy instead of white supremacy. And so he's really talking about embodied practices where people are 
doing these in, in connection with others, literally physical proximity, if not physical, like touch. Right. Um, and something we're going to have to figure out as we go, because I think this is the, the work is to figure out like, how would we do these practices? Who should do the practices? You know, how do I, I'm, I guess I am eager to kind of learn more about exactly how to begin embodying some of this and working to build culture, which I think we're doing in these calls to some extent, but we're not doing the embodying part really. So anyway, I just, I have a crazy idea, which I'll just put out there just to see if it ever comes to fruition. We can look back at this podcast and see Mark knew on November 1st. Um, but that ultimately Erica can create some space for your community to begin doing some of these practices together. Um, I don't know when and how that people will be ready or that you'd be ready, but um, I'm hopeful. And then kind of, I am, John and I have been talking about um, trying to do some of them together uh, to get started. So anyway, let me pause there and see what you make of all that. Can, can those practices done in community be done if you're not physically in community, do you think? That's what I'm trying to understand. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I think maybe no. And I think that's why I got some, some uh, beating to do and some work to do. In fact, Resma has a workbook, like an e-workbook that I think we're going to take a look at and I think leads people through. So I'll be able to answer that better soon. But I think there's a literally like, you know, putting your hand on someone's body as you're doing these practices or, or humming together, swaying together that are actually important to do together. I, I think there, we got to think about this and, and do a little research too. Hmm. Uh, but I do have, you know, another question I have is what exactly Resma means by body of culture and you know, what, what is white culture or is there white culture and what are we trying to do by creating culture? Does that mean culture doesn't exist or we're trying to shift? Um, I feel like there are answers to these, at least from Resma's framework, but I don't, I haven't quite figured them out yet. And it was interesting. I mentioned I was listening to Robin DiAngelo and Resma and I, they're both super smart. It's also clear to me, you know, they're talking in ways that are, um, in some ways, like, okay, I need to put on my, like, thinking cap here. Like, there, it, it's, there's an intellectual uh, strength to what they're both talking about that requires a little more than just, oh, okay, that's what they mean. It requires a little more like, all right, let me unpack that statement 
and that idea. Anyway, yeah. Well, let me ask you a question because in, in my listening only to that one pause, you know, so I've only encountered Resma in the one podcast and I haven't listened to the, you know, D'Angelo on being one you're talking about or anything, but I got the sense that in, in one, at least partially, what he was referencing yeah. to uh, developing culture within white community was connected to the idea that people of color, probably in America, specifically black people, um, uh, as an example, at least, the culture that exists acknowledges or even embodying the realities of race, the history of race, um, the impact of race on us at all times within the culture. White culture, to the extent it exists, does not do that, right? We can walk away from that or not. So I think what he was, part of what he was saying is, in order to come to terms with our society and, and, and living and both healing from the trauma that affects all of us, but also creating, a, I assume, a better society. And he has an interesting stuff about pessimism and hopefulness. And I love that, that I won't go into it, but that part of that where, you know, Dan Harris asked him if he's pessimistic and he kind of rejects that term a little bit. Um, but he doesn't say that he's hopeful for, for white culture. But, but <laughs> the culture I thought he was talking about white people building was a culture where we can no longer be blind to the role of race and difference on us and on each other. And so it's an, it's a, what, what Kendi would say, an anti-racist culture in which uh, the way we interact uh, acknowledges and embodies the impact of all of this um, on all of us, as opposed to right now, where if we want, we can be pretty much willfully ignorant and carry on with our lives. Yeah. Perfect. I think, Reed, this is why I spend my morning talking to you. Um, I think you just summarized it in a way that I was just not processing well um, on my own. So, yeah, I think that's right. That's the culture. And um, I think so the question is now, like, how do we, you and I, and others we connect with, create this uh, new culture that really does take race into account um, in a very different way. And yeah, I think, I think we stick with this. We were kind of waffling. Do we stick with the three to 10? And I think my conclusion based on thinking and talking and reading more, yeah, we definitely should. And our three to 10 commitment here of building culture at a minimum between us and um, and then also beginning to explore what might be the embodied practices as well uh, so we can learn together about those. We're going to go into some areas where I'm not real comfortable with. I mean, this idea of embodiment, mindfulness, this is 
new new areas for me. So I guess that's good. It'll push me in new directions, uh, in lots of new directions. Maybe that opens up new learning. Yeah, and I think it would intimidating. be. <laughs> well, and I want to acknowledge. I think it would be a big embellishment to say that I am much more, if any more, aware or evolved along any of this while I've been doing whatever it is, doing mindfulness or meditating for about 10 years, more or less. Um, I wouldn't say I reached any like, oh yeah, just do this. Uh, you'll get it. <laughs> I, I'm not, not there. Um, I do have one other quick thing before we sign off that I really, just a smart comment uh, from the podcast I was just listening to with Resma and D'Angelo. Um, it's like had a diversity training or it was all DEI people that like that was their thing. Raises, he says, raise your hand if you believe in diversity. You know, this is important. Everyone raises their hand. And it's like, okay, keep your hands up. Now, think. Diverse from what? <laughs> and that, I think, was... That's why I think I, that he put his finger on the thing I could not name that's been bothering me. Like, these terms of diversity, inclusion, equity really speak to there's something you can come join. Like, here we are as white people, and we're going to let you in. And we want more people that are not white. And that's good diversity. And we're, we are being inclusive. And we are creating equity. You can guess what we have. And um, that just seems way off. And maybe that's part of the new culture. Maybe that's part of my culture that I'm kind of building. Maybe we're building together is not using that language that positions whiteness as the thing other things are in relation to. And so even when I am saying earlier, it's like kind of call myself saying we have these different groups. There's a group of non-white staff. I mean, that's mm -hmm. not, mm -hmm. that's not the way to do it. And uh, so I just, I, I, that's why I use this term justice, which I'm also not sure is the right term, but it just seems better than DEI. I'm we're wondering if you have any kind of closing thoughts on that. Well, where my mind went was back to our last conversation and changes in schools, because I think the idea of diversity has been this clarion call in school reform, right? Let's make schools more diverse while not changing the fact that they remain white spaces built around the uh, maintenance of current structures and going all the way back, not all the way back, but back to that Nice White Parents podcast, I think one of the powerful, and, and, and another one um, called School Colors, uh, that was a similar theme, really got me thinking about the fact that, in general, white people have fought for diversity and desegregation in schools 
because they thought it would be a nice little add-on for their children to be surrounded by, a, 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 you know, a, a nice little smattering of bodies, bodies that are different colors, um, but not really wanting to reframe what schools are like. So, yes, I think this is a this is a fundamental thing where we still have a white frame around around the world um, in 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 America, and so. Anything we want to look at, that, that frame is going to be there, and it's up to us to decide whether we want to start um, considering it in different ways. Yep. Uh, good. I think this is, I think we're, I won't like, you know, shoot our horn or pat ourselves on the back here. <laughs> I'll more just certain note that we are. This seems to be the important work is to, well, for me, I'll speak for myself, understand better this idea of what it means to build culture. And for, in this, in a sense, and to um, understand, again, for me, why this whole DEI thing has made me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. and why we want to use different language and different ways of thinking. Language and thinking go hand in hand. I have a quick closing story. Do you have another minute? Let's, uh, let's hear it. I don't know if I, if I told this story on this podcast about Sam. Just an interesting story. I'm going to kind of process it in in light of our our learning is, you know, so Sam, my younger son, went to the school where you were principal, um, you know, that John started, and he was the only white male, maybe the only white student in his class for most of the time, if not the whole time, he was at the school. And he made very close friends there really liked his friends there. Um, one, one boy in particular, but, but a bunch of, but a bunch of the kids. And, um, he, when we moved to this basically lily white conservative area of Massachusetts four years ago, um, he maintained friendships with those kids, mostly through online gaming and to this day continues to, uh, but within the first few weeks of fifth grade, he was at school, you know, it was new, he didn't have friends, blah, blah, blah. and uh, he had an assignment where he had to write something, and it reminded him of his friends in Denver, and he started crying in class, so he was sent to the guidance counselor and the guidance counselor's assessment of the situation was that Sam was in culture shock of being in such a homogeneously white environment. Um, and I don't think he's ever really recovered from this. And I just, it's interesting to do some more talking and thinking from the kids' perspectives, maybe in inviting them into the podcast mm -hmm. at some point mm -hmm. with a lot of prep 
probably yeah. a lot of motivation, uh, incentive uh, <laughs> to talk about these experiences. And um, and then I won't get into this one, but at, at one point, Sam really tried to embrace being Jewish, which is not something like, I don't do anything religious. Jana does nothing. He's not Jewish. But he really embraced it for a time. And it was almost like he was searching for culture. Mm. Like he felt an absence of culture. Um, and I know that's not the same language we are using about culture right now, but it's also just, it's good for me to kind of process the different language, like the different uses of culture in this context, but also understand what the white experience can be like and how devoid of culture it can be in some ways. So anyway, I, again, I recognize that's not the definition we're using in this space. Just reminded me. Anyway, I'll leave it on that. I'm almost done with the first eight mile loop. Well, I'm glad I could be along for the ride while I'm sitting here. Uh, I appreciate the story about Sam and um, I've, I, I think there's a lot for us to continue with. And I like this, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know how serious we are about continuing these conversations and, and other work for three to 10 years, but we've, we've been together having good conversations for, for more than that. So maybe there's hope we actually will do it. Uh, I think uh, I, I, I'm serious. I feel serious at least, but well, we shall see. Yeah, it's been 25, 26 years, Reed. So uh, three to 10 doesn't seem very hard. Doesn't seem um, bad in the big picture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, have a good 5K run with Chase, your virtual 5K. Yeah, we're going to hit today. the road shortly here. Yeah, we'll do that. Thank you. And I hope your run uh, ends well and you're feeling good after 50 miles this weekend. That's quite an accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah, uh, when I get there. All right, have a good one. All right, you too. Stay safe, Mark. Thank you so much for listening to the 3 to 10 Project, Episode 7. What does 3 to 10 mean? My apologies for really messing up Resma Menicum's name earlier in the podcast. That won't happen again. And appreciations, as always, to Random Chiz for our original podcast music. <laughs>